Welcome to the WorkSmart podcast. I'm Philip Allen. In July of last year, the Irish government published the general scheme of a bill which will introduce a proposed new individual accountability framework for regulated financial services providers into Irish law. The framework, which will include the senior executive accountability regime, largely follows the proposals put forward by the central bank in its 2018 behavior and cultural report. In this two-part podcast series, I discuss with Julie Pardy, WorkSmart's Director of Regulation and Market Engagement, how these reforms will enhance the regulator's ability to hold individuals to account when regulatory contraventions occur in the business area for which they are responsible, and how they will provide additional scrutiny in both the regulators and firm's assessment of the fitness and probity of individuals. I start off by asking Julie, what are the intentions of the Individual Accountability Framework, or IAF? I think it's fair to say that it's not really very different from any other accountability regime in general terms that's been implemented around the globe. Really, what the Central Bank of Ireland are trying to do is to effectively give firms a framework. And within that framework, it will be asking them to do a certain number of tasks and activities differently. And the whole purpose will be around senior managers taking accountability evidencing that for which they are accountable and actually using that to try and help support positive culture change that the bank's been looking for for a number of years since the banking crisis. So what does the individual accountability framework include then? Well, it's made up of four component parts. So you have the first piece, which is referred to as SEAR, S-E-A-R, the Senior Executives Accountability Regime. And effectively, this will be where organisations have to identify their senior managers and that for which they are responsible for. So very similar to what we've had in the UK with the senior managers element of SMCR. So that's the first piece. The second piece is, and we'll go back to this RFSP, the central bank talk about regulated financial services providers. And effectively, the second bit will be looking at those and looking at more onerous requirements around the fitness and probity assessments that are currently in place for certain role types. The third part is all around conduct standards, about setting out for the market the expectations for the central bank, both from an organisational perspective and from an employee perspective. The final part is around the ability for the central bank to be able to hold individuals accountable. And without going into the full technical detail, there has been difficulties in the past for the CBI and their ability to hold individuals to account. And so there's going to be some legislative change that will allow that to happen. So those are the four key areas. In addition, the IAF includes changes designed to strengthen the central bank's enforcement capabilities by breaking what they call the participation link. Why is this important? In simplistic terms, all this was, was in order to hold an individual to account, the regulator had to find wrongdoing at the regulated firm and make the link between the firm and the individual. And as I understand it now, under the changes that they're currently working on through the financial services bill that will allow these regulatory changes to happen, that they'll remove that link. Because you can always have individuals that are acting against the firm, and therefore you might want to take action against the individual, but not necessarily the firm. So who does this new regulation apply to? 
So in the terms of, of what's planned, as we understand it, you have the heads of bill, which is the piece of legislation that has to be in place that effectively outlines the tools that the CBI can have at its disposal in order to write the regulation that will apply to firms. And as it currently stands, it looks like the individual accountability framework is going to be applied to certain sets of firms like we had in the UK. So it looks like banks, certain insurers and certain investment firms and possibly third country branches will be in the first wave. But the legislation itself allows for the CBI to roll it out to everybody should they choose to do so. And it looks like all of the language and the discussions that I've seen would suggest that that will come next, but more of a phased approach so that you can get the banks and the insurers in first, as we did in the UK. They are then the first point of focus for the CBI. And then latterly, they can pull more people into the regulation as they see fit. Julie, part two of the IAF implements SEER, the Senior Executive Accountability Regime, which will mandate regulated entities to improve their internal processes by clarifying the roles of their SEFs or Senior Executive Functions. How will this be achieved? So SEER, um, your Senior Executive Accountability Regime, is the Irish equivalent of the Senior Managers Regime in the UK. And effectively, if you look at the heads of bill that is that piece of legislation that has all of the tools that the CBI can use when it creates this piece of regulation, it talks about senior managers having statements of responsibilities. And as you say, in the Irish regime, it looks like it's going to be called SEFs, the senior executive function. They'll have these statements of responsibility and that these statements of responsibility will be drawn together with the governance arrangements for the organisation and will need to be represented as a management responsibilities map. Very similar to what we have in the UK for banks, insurers and enhanced firms. And if you have that, then obviously by virtue of that, if you're looking at the governance arrangements of a firm and senior managers that lead the business, then you're really looking at all of the governance arrangements that surround that, such as committees, terms of reference, who's accountable for what. When I look at the way that this is written, that we would have these prescribed responsibilities that would be allocated to these SEFs, and they would build up to make a statement of responsibility that would show what each individual was accountable for. So very, very similar to the UK. Which roles are deemed to be SEFs? If you think in the UK, those individuals that need regulatory pre-approval would be our senior managers. It's the similar thing to be proposed for the CBI regime. So these senior executives that have to get regulatory pre-approval before they can undertake their role under fitness and probity requirements that the CBI have, then those will be the senior managers. So it will be very similar to the types of individuals, executive directors, chairman, people that hold certain very specific functions like compliance functions, risk functions and so on. Do you see any difference between what's expected of SEFs here and their counterparts under similar accountability regimes within different jurisdictions? Well, certainly from what I've seen, it would appear very similar to Mm. what we've got in the UK and what the expectation is from other accountability regimes. You know, even down to the fact that you're going to have these senior executive conduct rules that are very specific to this regime when it's brought in. So the very 
similar to what you would expect. So to be accountable, to effectively discharge your responsibilities, to act appropriately. So whether we will see different terminology and language creeping out may be, but the bottom line will be individuals that it's very clear from a regulatory perspective that for which they are accountable for and being held to account if they don't deliver against that and they can't evidence that they have attempted to in the course of their duties deliver that. What does the central bank consider a breach of a senior manager's duties? There will be certain instances where a firm has to report a breach or a suspected concern to the regulator, especially in respect to senior managers. And the CBI are going to look through investigation, through data and information to see whether they feel individuals have breached. And there's a difference, obviously, between if somebody maybe isn't as competent as they should be, v somebody who has deliberately gone out of their way, if it's fraud or criminal act as it were. But effectively, the regulator will have the powers of investigation at an individual level. And a critical part of an individual and a firm's defence is the policies and procedures that it has in place, the oversight that the individual has, the data and MI they have to reassure themselves that things are working properly and effectively. So I think You know, you mentioned earlier that that reasonable steps was a real concern in the UK when this concept first came in. I don't think it should be a surprise to senior managers in Ireland that there will be a high expectation around demonstration of discharging responsibilities. And I think this regime has been talked about for so long. I think that a lot of learning will already have taken place from what's happened in the UK. And potentially people in the Irish regime are likely to be better informed and better prepared as a result of the lessons learned when they look to the UK to find out what our experience was here. This leads us nicely into part three of the scheme that outlines a set of conduct standards. Talk us through these. So in terms of conduct and standards, there's three specific areas for consideration here. Firstly, the heads of bill actually now allows for standards of business to be created. So if we think the UK and we think of our 11 principles for business, Effectively, what's happening here is that there are six standards for business that will apply to all financial services providers. And they're nothing that you wouldn't expect, Philip. They're all the usual things around, you know, a business conducting itself honestly and ethically and doing the right things by our customers and treating them fairly. And actually, managing your business effectively, having effective oversight, protecting clients' assets, and also dealing with your regulator in the way in which the regulator would expect you to deal with them, which is open and honest. So that's going to be the first change, I guess, that then sets the scene for the other changes. And then the other changes that we're going to see is that you're going to get what they describe as the common conduct standards for individuals. And again, there's five of those. And the common conduct standards apply to people that are either holding one of these roles that needs regulatory approval prior to role or what will become known as a controlled function under the new regime, which is effectively certification staff. And they'll have five conduct rules that are all about what we would expect about integrity, about acting with due skill, care and diligence. So very, very similar to what we have in the UK. And then for those managers that are the most senior, 
then it will take the conduct standards back to the wider business around making sure that you control your business effectively, making sure that you comply with your normal regulatory requirements, that you're dealing with your regulator promptly and appropriately. So once again, very, very similar language to that which we see in the UK. And whilst we didn't have standards for business implemented at the time, we had SMCR, we had them prior to that, or we had our principles for business prior to that, then these wider ranging and more detailed conduct standards will come in as a result of the individual accountability framework in Ireland. Part four of the scheme strengthens the existing obligations of firms in relation to fitness and probity of key personnel under the CBA's fitness and probity regime. In your opinion, how will this exert greater expectations on RSFPs? It's going to be greater because the requirements are going to be more. And under existing fitness and probity standards, there are scenarios in play where the individual self-certifies themselves in respect of fitness and probity. And the onus is on the individual to confirm to the firm that they're okay to continue to do the role. Whereas actually what this is switching is it's switching a fitness and probity assessment into the hands of the employer. And therefore the employer will need policies and procedures. They will need processes. They will need decision-making, authority-making as to how am I going to assess my people? Who is going to make the decision? against what policy are we going to assess that, to what standards will we expect, and who ultimately will be confirming that these individuals continue to be fit for roles. So actually, it's really quite a big change in all that is going on with this particular piece of regulation. And let's be honest, Julie, that's a whole load of data capture, data management, and management information, or MI, that a firm will need to evidence to the regulator. And therein lies the challenge, I think. And with this, I think organisations that maybe don't have a UK entity and so are coming to this with just an entity in Ireland actually don't underestimate the size of this task. This is the one that has been really, really challenging in the UK because to actually know on an annual basis that you're going to have to gather together different components around competence, around integrity, around capability, maybe qualifications depending on role, could be professional body membership. We start to look at all of the different indicators of competence and actually this becomes a bigger job, one, to gather it all together, two, to put it together in a manner that somebody can make a considered assessment as to whether it meets a particular standard and then run the processes, the paperwork, the data and the MI and the repository to evidence those processes becomes quite a big job and it's not a one-off task this is a something that is rolling year in and year out in the UK and it will do the same in Ireland so it's something that needs you know quite careful consideration in terms of how firms are going to manage these new income processes. Thanks Julian thank you for listening to part one of this two-part podcast series that gets under the bonnet of the individual accountability framework. In part two Julie takes a closer look at the lessons that RSFPs can learn from the UK's experience of applying the senior managers and certification regime, digging further into how the central bank might enforce the new regime, and demonstrating how RegTech can turn regulatory change into positive business process improvements. 
And for the latest news, podcasts, and webinars on conduct, culture, and accountability, check out the insights section of our website, worksmart.co.uk.